New Year's Eve Debacle, a sleuth detective story, written and read by Giancarlo Danubio. The Acme Building, Floor 5, Office of Frank Fletcher, Private Eye, Friday, 12 p.m. Frank wasn't much for holidays. Living alone in his office, he rarely left for anything other than cases and the occasional grocery run. Frank lived a life of solitude. He worked alone. He ate alone. He went to sleep alone. However, this wasn't always the case. A little over a decade ago, Frank worked with an ex-convict named Victor DeLuca. With Frank's wits and Victor's brawn, they managed to be a force to be reckoned with. A force that came to an untimely end, as one of their cases angered a small gang of ruthless thugs who retaliated against Victor. The retaliation ended with Victor being murdered. Frank then spent the next few months tracking down each and every single member of the gang, subduing them and dragging them to the authorities. Needless to say, this vendetta almost cost him his livelihood, his office. After all, what is a detective without an office? It would be like having a firefighter without a fire department. That is to say, not very useful. Frank had been operating as a private investigator alone ever since that incident, a fact that has been getting more and more pronounced as of recent years. He was getting more paranoid, more anxious, more tired. It was these very thoughts that were lingering in Frank's head as he woke up one Friday afternoon. He sat up and stretched, the rain gently tapping at his windows as it showered briskly outside. He had fallen asleep on the couch again. He stood up and made his way to his rather small bathroom. He brushed his teeth and took a long contemplative shower. For most of it, he simply stood there, water cascading down his face, his eyes closed, his mind filled with thoughts. I can't do this anymore, he muttered to himself. After the shower, he dried himself off and got dressed. His wardrobe was mostly white-collared shirts, tan slacks and brown shoes. would also wear a trench coat and fedora, but it would be rather silly to wear those indoors. The only lively thing he would ever wear were his neckties. He had a small army of neckties that consisted of various patterns and colors. They would sometimes reflect his mood that day. Today, he decided to wear navy blue. After getting dressed, he made his way over to his desk. As he sat down in the office chair, it let out a subdued squeak. He fired up his computer. The term computer could only loosely be applied to the device that sat in front of Frank. The interface was ancient. The monitor had a faded green tint and the keyboard had a reworked typewriter. It looked like it had been Frankenstein into existence, complete with cables and cords sticking out of certain nooks and crannies. One would even argue that it might be cheaper to get a new, modern computer, opposed to spending money on parts just to keep this system operational. But don't tell Frank that. Frank tapped a few keys and made a Help Wanted ad online. He let out a long sigh before hitting the Enter key. He pushed himself away from the keyboard. He decided that it was probably best to clean up before inviting any interviews into the office. First thing to clean? would be Victor's old desk. 
It was left untouched since Victor himself last sat at it. There was an open notepad with a pen on top, brass knuckles that he would use under rather dire circumstances, a box of Cuban cigars, his vice of choice, and a typewriter. Oh, how Victor loathed that typewriter. Whenever Frank needed a report done, Victor would scowl and make a face. How come you can't do it, Victor would complain. You're the one who likes to do these freaking things. Frank chuckled to himself. Victor hated using it, but always wrote them up as asked. Frank walked over to his closet, pulling out a sizable cardboard box. He set it down next to Victor's desk. He began to gingerly put the once-owned items into the box. He paused at every item, taking a moment to look at each one, to examine it. Think back to each memory, as if cataloging it in his mind. To him, this was at last, the moment he was honestly attempting to move on with his life. Just because I'm moving on, doesn't mean I'm gonna forget you, buddy, Frank thought to himself, having gone through the entirety of the desk. He neatly packed the box full of Victor's old belongings. He placed the lid over it and grabbed a permanent marker from his own desk. On the front of the box, he wrote, Victor's stuff. One day he would figure out what to do with them, but today wasn't that day. After placing the now full box into the closet and giving the newly vacated desk a good cleaning, he sat down at his own desk. He was eager to see if his wanted ad generated any buzz. He checked his email. Nothing. Nothing? He thought. Surely the prospect of being a private investigator stirred the excitement of a wide-eyed, bushy-tailed adventurer, or even a grizzled old curmudgeon of a man who would sooner shoot you rather than speak to you. But nothing? This puzzled him. But what Frank failed to realize was that times had changed. The career of a private investigator was never really glamorous, but there still used to be an allure to it. The prospect of danger mystery and intrigue, it was enough to attract many would-be adventurers. These days, however, not many people had a use for private investigators, at least not ones like Frank. It was the modern age of computers now, and Frank felt like a pocket watch in this new digital age. It was his hope that in hiring his new partner, he could get more done. He could also work on the more riskier cases, which would result in more profits. The fact that he would finally have someone watching his back again didn't hurt either. Four hours passed. Nothing. Perhaps he was too expectant. Maybe for once the job market is doing alright for itself, and nobody needed an odd job like a private investigator. For whatever the reason, Frank was left a bit anxious. He walked over to the small kitchen that sat right next to the living room slash bedroom area of his office and poured himself some coffee in a mug. He added some creamer and sugar before stirring. He supposed he could start transferring all of the contacts on his Rolodex to his computer. Hours later. Frank never wanted to hear even the slightest mention of a Rolodex for the rest of his life. On one hand, all of his contacts were now neatly stored and organized on a piece of 21st century technology. On the other, not a single soul had contacted him about the open position in his agency. Depressing, really. He looked down at his now empty coffee-stained mug. 
He was in the process of contemplating whether or not to fill it up again when his thoughts were interrupted by a knock at the front door. Frank was caught off guard. I, uh, it's open, Frank muttered out. If his ears were surprised, then his eyes were certainly in for a bit of a shock themselves. The door swung open to reveal the toughest woman Frank had ever laid eyes on. She closed the door behind her and made her way to his desk. It was revealed that she was wearing an olive green military jacket, a white tank top, dog tags, black leather fingerless biker gloves, faded blue jeans, worn out brown combat boots, and a two-barrel shotgun that swung at her hip from a holster that was around her waist. It was as if she came straight out of an action movie. You Frank Fletcher? She asked as she eyeballed the detective. Frank adjusted his tie a bit, composing himself from the startle he'd just received. I am? Can I help you with anything? Frank asked. Saw your ad on the net. Was seeing if you were still hiring, the woman explained. She walked over to a chair that sat in front of Frank's desk, spun it around and sat on it backwards. Your ad says what the job pays in the title, but the description is pretty vague. What is this job exactly? She asked. Frank ran his fingers through his hair, thinking for a moment. He realized that the short blurb on the ad he placed didn't really get into the specifics. A bit of an oversight on his part. When he and Victor created the agency, they really never created roles for one another. They just played off of each other's strengths. <gasps> That's it! Frank thought to himself. I'll go off of that! Frank leaned forward in his chair folding his hands together on his desk, looking at the woman for a moment. The only makeup she wore was the freckles over her nose and cheeks. She had short, messy hair, which seemed to serve as both a declaration and a warning. He decided to come through with an explanation before his studying of her face became staring. Ah, uh, there's not much to it, really. Uh, you help me with my cases and watch my back. That's pretty much it. Oh, and you'll get your own desk, Frank motioned to the newly vacated desk. The woman mulled over what Frank had just said. Was it too good to be true? Basically keep this pipsqueak alive and in the end get a regular paycheck? Her curiosity was certainly piqued. She stood up and walked up to Frank, who looked up at her with a small twinge of nervousness. I don't take orders. I normally punch first and ask questions later. I don't do diplomacy. I drink, I smoke, and if you want to keep your limbs where they are, you make sure to keep your hands to yourself. Deal? The woman offered, her voice firm and slightly frightening. Deal? Frank breathed out. Good, I'll go get my things, she replied, turning around. She headed for the door. Uh, your things? Frank asked. The woman turned back around to face him. Yes, my things. You don't expect me to move in here without my belongings, do you? She explained. Frank stood up from his chair, his mind racing, trying to sort through everything. But I... But I live here, Frank stuttered. The woman turned around again. She opened the front door. Then you'd better make some room, she announced before making her exit. Sunday was a rather peaceful morning. It was no longer raining. The birds were chirping, the temperature was balmy, and there, on Frank's living room couch, was the woman from the night before. 
she was sprawled out, loudly snoring, and wearing nothing but sports underwear as plain as day. Her personal effects littered the living room. Clothes, weapons, both melee and firearms, half a dozen beer cans, and a tray that was already filled with cigarette ashes. Apparently, she has made herself at home. Frank couldn't help but blush a little when upon waking up in the morning, he came across the woman who was down to her skivvies. And here he thought he was being risque, being in his undershirt with his slacks and suspenders. He sighed to himself and made his way into the kitchen to make breakfast. He still wasn't sure what had happened last night. It all went by so fast. The woman's name was Cassidy Berenger. She worked as a mercenary before coming to Frank for a job. Apparently, she made it a stipulation to live in the office because she was recently evicted from her old apartment. She had nowhere to go. Mercenary work wasn't paying the bills and her landlord wasn't going to give her any more extensions. She claimed the living room as her room. She sat down with Frank to have a few drinks she had stashed in one of her bags and promptly passed out on her new bed. Frank knew he could have said no to her then and there, avoided the whole roommate situation. But the truth was, he wanted to see where this would go. He had been living with Victor for so long that he had forgotten how downright lonely living by yourself could be. Alone with nothing but a radio, a television, and a computer to keep him company. He didn't know if this partnership was going to work, but he doubted he had much to lose. Besides, even by morning, he still didn't get a single blasted reply from the internet ad. After making two omelets, he walked over to the snoring Cassidy and placed her plate on the coffee table that sat in front of the couch. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey, Frank called out. Cassidy stirred a bit, her arm draping over her eyes as she mumbled out a phrase that could only be described as broken English. Frank shrugged and proceeded towards the small dining room table nearby the kitchen, taking a seat. Suit yourself, Frank sighed. Your breakfast is right there whenever you want it. Cassidy Berenger was not a morning person. Never was, really. When she was younger, she was an advocate of the afternoon school. It was an idea of having grade school in the afternoon, opposed to the morning. Needless to say, the afternoon school movement didn't get very far. Cassidy's nose wiggled slightly. Her snoring was replaced with occasional whiffs of the air. She lazily rubbed her eyes and sat up, looking like a disheveled mess. She looked down at the plate left for her. It was a simple omelet with ham tucked inside, garnished with an assortment of diced vegetables with three strips of bacon on the side. A fork sat conveniently next to the plate. She stared at it, looking half awake and puzzled. Frank looked over from his place at the rather tiny dining room table. It's not going to bite. Frank assured her. If you want, I can make you something else. No, that's fine. I'm just not used to breakfast, Cassidy replied, slowly becoming more awake. What? Breakfast in general? Frank asked, taking a bite of his omelet. That doesn't sound very healthy. Cassidy gave Frank a look. It was the kind of look that spoke volumes, more so than any phrase, sentence, or guttural noise could ever speak. Frank cleared his throat and nodded vigorously. Yes, well, I suppose you're not one to worry about such trivial matters. Not that that's a bad thing, Frank added. She's certainly not a morning person, is she? He 
he asked himself mentally. After breakfast and cleaning themselves up, Frank and Cassidy were ready to begin their first day as co-workers and roommates. Accurately put, Frank was ready to begin their first day as co-workers and roommates. Cassidy? Not so much. After taking her shower, she plopped herself back onto her newly claimed couch and began to polish one of her pistols. Frank approached her with a manila filing envelope. Do you ever wear anything? Frank asked, noticing that the only thing that Cassidy changed into after her shower was a different pair of sports underwear. Problem already, detective? Cassidy asked without looking up. Well, I mean... Yes, this is a home, but this is also a place of business, Frank started to explain. You don't see store clerks or waiters working in their underwear. Yeah, because then they'd be too comfortable, Cassidy replied with a smirk. She set down her pistol and looked up at Frank. If you prefer, I'm sure I've got a micro bikini somewhere. What? No, 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 you're, you're fine, you're fine. Frank realized quickly that this was a battle he was not going to win. He cleared his throat and regained his composure. Look, never mind that. We've got a case. Frank walked around and sat down next to Cassidy. He opened up the file folder, revealing some photos and written out reports. The client's name is Seamus O'Malley. He's the owner of a pub. He wants us to keep an eye on things and make sure things don't get too rowdy since tonight is New Year's. Cassidy stifled a laugh. What's so funny? Frank asked. The hardest part of this job is going to be not dying of boredom, Cassidy answered with a smirk. O'Malley's Pub, Saturday, 7 o'clock p.m. New Year's Eve tends to bring out the best in people. It also happens to bring out quite a number of inebriated people as well. Seamus O'Malley had three windows and a jukebox broken before order was restored after last year's New Year's festivities. Needless to say, he was hoping to avoid too much collateral damage this time. Enter Frank Fletcher and his new partner, Cassidy Berenger. They both arrived in a beat-up 1949 Studebaker champion. Frank always thought that the model name was clever, seeing as how it still somehow worked. After parking the car, the two of them made their way into the bar. Upon stepping inside, the duo was met with a rather strong odor of alcohol, tobacco, and broken dreams. Truly, your run-of-the-mill bar. Hey, Frankie, you fraud! A voice shouted from the bar. Seamus, you miserable eyesore! Frank shouted back. Cassidy was confused. The confusion was cleared up once Frank approached the bar and the source of the shout, an old bartender, met him with a hearty handshake. How have you been, lad? Seamus asked. Frank let out a long sigh, adjusting his tie. A lot better, Frank answered with a weary smile. Seamus nodded with a kind smile. He then smirked as he noticed Cassidy behind Frank. Picked up yourself a pretty lass, eh? I always figured you had a thing for them tough types. Seamus teased as Frank looked back at Cassidy and then back at the bartender, obviously flustered. What? N no, no, no. This is my partner. My new partner, Seamus. This is <laughs> Seamus, this is Cassidy Berenger. Brute extraordinaire. Frank introduced lightheartedly. Cassidy didn't care for the new nickname Frank had given her, but she figured she'd give him a pass. It was their first job together, after all. I prefer the title Hired Muscle 
Sounds a bit more classy, Cassidy remarked with a toothy grin. She gave Seamus' hand a sturdy handshake. The bartender shook his hand afterwards, trying to regain feeling to it. Good lord! You've got quite a grip there, Seamus exclaimed. Well now, what can I get both of yous? The usual, Frank requested. Whiskey, on the rocks, Cassidy stated. As Seamus went off to get their drinks ready, the two of them sat down at the bar. You, uh, usually drink straight whiskey? Frank asked, trying to get comfortable on the bar stool. I usually have one before a job. Kind of a traditional thing I picked up from my mercenary days. <laughs> Sometimes when I found myself with my back against the wall, a nice long swig straight from the bottle kept me on my toes. What about you? What's your usual? Cassidy asked. Frank hesitated. He wasn't sure if he wanted to give an answer. Not after a story like that. Unfortunately, whether he was ready or not, the answer would be served up right in front of them via the bartender. Here we go. One whiskey on the rocks and an iced tea with a lemon twist, Seamus announced as he placed the glasses in front of their prospective drinkers. Frank looked down at his glass, the lemon painfully obvious as it hung on the rim of the glass. An array of stifled noises came from Cassidy's direction. He didn't have to look at her to know that she was desperately trying to keep herself from belly laughing. What's, uh, what's the plan, Seamus? Frank asked, trying to change the subject. Not much of a plan, really. Just sit here and keep an eye on things. If people get too rowdy, show them out all cordial-like. I'll pay you once we close up shop. Also, drinks are on the house since I'm having you two work on the eve of the new year. Cassidy immediately perked up. She opened her mouth to say something, but was quickly cut off by Frank, who knew exactly what she was thinking. No, Cassidy. He just means these drinks that we have right here, Frank stated flatly. Cassidy had a mildly annoyed expression before taking a swig of her whiskey. They both continued to sit there for the next couple of hours. They alternated between talking and observing. The bar was quiet with a steady stream of drinkers who would come in, ask for a drink or two, keep to themselves or talk amongst each other, and went about their day. There were one or two people who lingered longer, but Seamus referred to them as philosopher drinkers. They'd order a drink and stare into the glass, the table, or out the window for hours on end. People who seemed a little lost, with nowhere to go in life. Seamus always had a soft spot for them. The bar became a little more busy as the hour of the new year became closer. With 20 minutes to go, Frank was about ready to call this particular job an easy paycheck. That was, until the loud thundering noise of motorcycles thundered outside. Frank mentally kicked himself as hard as he could. The Wild Ones were a biker gang within the city. Made up of just about a dozen members, they were notorious for being disruptive hooligans. You see, the Wild Ones were mostly made up of very drunk, very bored, and very rowdy men who thought that the main prospect of being a biker was to consume all of the alcohol in a bar, get kicked out, and move on to the next one. Their worst offense was normally just fistfights. Woo-wee! A loud and obnoxious yell filled the bar as a group of men staggered in. This was not their first bar. Come on, barkeep, hit us with some of that delicious alcohol! The yelling biker proceeded, 
Seamus was not amused. Firstly, these bikers waltz in as if they own the place. And second, barkeep? What was this, the Old West? All right, settle down, boys. What can I get all of you? Seamus asked, unamused but obliging. How about some rounds on the house, old man? The leader asked. This question was met with a roaring cheer from the fellow bikers. Seamus frowned and folded his arms. He didn't like where this is going. Neither did Frank, who stood up from his seat along with Cassidy. Now, now, lad. If I did that, it wouldn't be good for business. There's quite a few of you, Seamus pointed out. The lead biker grinned. He walked over to the bar, leaning against it. All the more reason to keep us happy, old man. I'd say you better start pouring those free drinks before we start getting antsy. The biker's boisterous tone quickly changed into a low, threatening growl. Cassidy instinctively moved forward, but Frank kept her back with an arm in front of her. He looked over at her, shaking his head silently, before approaching the bike leader himself. Hey pal, I think the proprietor has made it very clear that free drinks aren't on the menu. How about we just settle down, okay? Frank said, trying to be as diplomatic as possible. The leader looked at him for a brief moment, letting out a hearty laugh. Get a load of this guy trying to be a regular Philip Marlowe over here, the biker leader announced loudly, causing the other bikers to laugh none too kindly. I uh, was always a Johnny Dollar kind of guy myself, Frank said to himself. His collared shirt was suddenly grabbed by the biker leader. Hey, hey now, Frank protested. Listen here, detective. You better mind your own business if you know what's good for you, the biker leader growled. The situation was getting pretty serious. Everyone in the bar noticed this. Most of the bar's patrons paid their tabs and left while they still had the chance. The two or three other philosopher drinkers continued to sit in their prospective seats, unfazed by the recent turn of events. Cassidy watched the events transpire close by, but said and did nothing. Frank struggled against the biker's grip, but it was no use. It was clear he was outmuscled, so instead, he decided to attempt diplomacy one more time. Oh, come on, pal, you don't have to do this. It's New Year's. I mean, it's a time to start anew, to get together with your fellow man and ring in the New Year with pop and circumstance. Don't you think all this is a little unnecessary? Frank asked, trying to reason with the biker leader. Looks like I'm gonna have to teach you to mind your own business the hard way, the biker leader replied with somewhat disturbing glee. Frank struggled frantically as the biker leader raised his free hand, winding up for a punch. He was just about to call Cassidy's name when a fist collided into the biker leader's face. The punch set the biker leader onto the floor, reeling in pain. Frank's eyes were wide in surprise as he turned around to see that Cassidy had thrown the punch. She cracked her knuckles, turning around to face the rest of the bikers. Anybody else want a free drink? Cassidy asked. The question was more of a formality, of course. Frank could see that Cassidy was just itching for a fight. There was a moment of silence. Try not to break anything! Seamus shouted in a whisper to Frank before ducking down behind the bar. Before Frank could even think of a reply, the crowd of bikers gave out what could only be described as a war cry as they ran towards Cassidy, who gladly obliged by doing the same.
Cassidy! Frank shouted, but there was no reply. Frank cursed under his breath and ran after her. What followed were a series of punches, jabs, kicks, cheap shots, over-the-shoulder throws, and even a suplex through a table at some point. The more men who tried to take a swing at Cassidy, the more fiery her fighting became. Frank found himself in the middle of a good old-fashioned bar brawl. He would have loved to give Cassidy a hand, but it looked like he would only get in the way. Gotcha! A familiar growl exclaimed from behind Frank. The detective found himself being restrained from behind. Unable to free himself, Frank decided enough was enough. It was time for the equalizer. He fought to dig into the inside pocket of his trench coat, and he pulled out a collapsible baton. With a flick, he extended the baton to full length and jabbed the leader's arm with it, freeing himself. Ow! What the hell was that? The biker leader asked. His only answer was a thwack to the back of the leg, which forced him on one knee, and a thwack across the face, sending him to the floor again. He turned around to check on Cassidy, who was leaning against the bar, finishing off her whiskey. The biker crew were scattered all over the bar in various states of pain. They all appeared to be down for the count. Apparently, Cassidy had been watching Frank's ordeal for a while now. Not bad for a detective, and here I thought I'd have to do all the work, she replied with a smirk. Frank walked over to her with a sigh. He reached over to his drink and took a long swig. I wouldn't have minded a helping hand, you know, Frank mentioned after taking a breath. Ah, wouldn't have been half as fun. Besides, I needed to see for myself if you could handle yourself in a fight, she said with a nod trying to get every microscopic drop of whiskey that was left in her glass. Unable to get any more, she popped one of the ice cubes into her mouth and proceeded to chew. Police are on their way, Seamus announced as he walked over to the two from behind the bar. Broken table, broken chair, eh, not too shabby for a bar brawl, I'd say. The old man stroked his chin approvingly. Frank smiled and shook his head. The three of them looked up at an old television monitor mounted on the wall. The audio was a tad crackly. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! The remaining philosopher drinkers raised their glasses and then went back to what they had been doing the entire time. You know, I think this might actually work, Cassidy said, chewing on the last bit of ice as it melted in her mouth. Frank looked at her with a grin before looking back at the TV. Happy New Year, Detective Berenger, Frank said. Cassidy raised an eyebrow, but smiled in return. Happy New Year, Detective Fletcher, Cassidy replied. I hope you've enjoyed this production of the New Year's Eve Debacle, a sleuth detective story written and read by Giancarlo Danubio. This has been a Grandstand Radio production.